Welcome to Life Hurts, God Heals. I'm one of your hosts, Kim Ward. And I'm your other host, Kurt Flagel. On a recent episode, both Kim and I promised in coming episodes, we would offer tools to help people in their journey of relating to God through the scriptures and through prayer. These are things that we are all called to do as Christ followers. But how do we pray? And how do we read the Bible? These are questions that have often plagued us as followers of Jesus for generations. Well, the good news is there are tools to help. One of those that we will talk about today is called Lectio Divina. We also call this practice scriptural listening prayer. We're going to walk you through how to do it and we invite you to do it with us. So without any further ado, let's just jump right into this. Very recently, we made a commitment to give people tools to help them navigate the relationship with God, especially when it comes to reading scripture and praying. So today we're going to be looking at a practice that is traditionally called Lectio Divina, sacred reading. And what it is is just a a way of reading scripture where we exercise more of our listening abilities. In other words, rather than just Bible study, where we sit down and we practice reading scripture with maybe some study tools, which is awesome, which we're going to talk about at another time. We're going to talk about practicing basic hermeneutics, you know, things like understanding the scriptures by understanding the author of a particular book of the Bible and the audience. And context. We're going to talk about those tools at a different time in the upcoming episode. But for this one, this is more of a personal listening tool. Rather than Bible study, we're listening for God's voice in a, in a more relational way where we are just simply sitting and whatever comes to mind as we read, we're going to write that down. How would you describe this one? I hesitate to say heart-based, but it's a bit more experiential. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because what you hear from God isn't necessarily the like the context of the scripture, which when we're doing Bible study, we want to know the context. We want to understand the context. This is more personal context. Whatever God wants to say through the scripture, not necessarily you know, being contextualized in the scripture itself. So this is a little bit more of an abstract practice that's meant for for people in a personal sense, right? Mm -hmm. Just to be clear on that. So what we're going to do is we're going to read a scripture and we're going to read it three times. And each time before we read, we're asking God a different question. The three questions are, One, before we read, we ask God, hey, what is it you want to highlight for me? Like a word, a phrase, a whole sentence, maybe even a whole verse. What is something you want to highlight for me as I read this? And then we read and we look for whatever kind of jumps out at us. The second time we read, God, show me my own emotional response. How am I feeling about what I'm reading? I think this is a great question because there are many of us who don't have a high emotional quotient or we tend to just hide things emotionally and we don't want to face them. So this is where God meets us where we are. And then the third one is simply, 
God, what is your gift or invitation for me today? And this is about obedience. What is it you are revealing to me today? A gift you want to give me or something you want to reveal for me to obey? So those are the three questions. God, what do you want to highlight? What's my emotional response to what I'm reading? And what's your gift or invitation to me? You are invited as you listen to this to do this with us. To not just listen to us do this practice, but we would love for you to join in. And the way we'll do that is we'll ask the question of God and then we'll read the scripture. Either Kim or I will read the scripture, which in this case is John chapter 2 verses 1 through 12. So we're in one of four accounts of Jesus' life, which are called traditionally the four Gospels, which just means good news. And we're in John. So as we read this, the question we're asking once again is, God, what is it you want to highlight to me in this passage? A word, a phrase, a sentence. And one of us will read it out loud, and then um, we'll take a little time to be still and listen and sit with that. And this is where you'll be invited just to pause. And take some time to listen and write down whatever it is in that question you're hearing. Anything you want to add to that? Yeah. So the one thing that we didn't mention so far is that each time we read through the passage, we'll read in a different translation. Yes. Which version do you want to read first? Let's do NIV. Okay. You reading or am I? Uh, I'll read the first time. John chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews, for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother and brothers and his disciples. There they stayed for a few days. Okay, so now we're just going to take a little time to sit with this. If something hasn't jumped out at us yet, we'll just sit with it and allow it, the words to soak in. So this is where you can pause and come back when you believe God has given you something that he's highlighted. And make sure you write it down as well. All right, Kim, we're just going to read what was highlighted to us without explaining why it was highlighted, mm-hmm. at least in this first round. What did you get? Uh, you have saved the best till now. Mine was actually two verses. It's kind of longer. 
uh, verses 4 and 5. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus, Jesus replied, My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. So that's all there is to that. That's an easy step. Now we're going to read it again in a different version. I'm thinking Amplified. So the question, God, we're asking you in this one is, what is our emotional response to what we're reading? Show us what we're really feeling, honestly. John 2, 1 through 12 again, in the Amplified Version, says, On the third day there was a, a wedding at Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there, and both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. When the wine was all gone, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no more wine. Jesus said to her, Dear woman, what is that to you and to me? My time to act and to be revealed has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were six stone water pots set there for the Jewish custom of purification, ceremonial washing, containing 20 or 30 gallons each. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the water pots with water. So they filled them up to the brim. Then he said to them, Draw some out now and take it to the head waiter of the banquet. So they took it to him. And when the head waiter tasted the water which had turned into wine, not knowing where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, he called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone else serves his best wine first, and when people have drunk freely... Then he serves that which is not so good, but you have kept the good wine until now. This, the first of his signs, attesting miracles, Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and revealed his glory, displaying his deity and his great power openly. And his disciples believed confidently in him as the Messiah. They adhered to, trusted in, and relied on him. After this, he went down to Capernaum, he and his mother and brothers and his disciples, and they stayed there a few days. Okay, we're going to sit in silence for a little bit and invite God in to reveal what our emotional response is to this passage. So this is a point where you can hit pause again. All right, now we get to talk about what we sensed was our emotional response. I felt curiosity to the same two verses that I felt were highlighted to me. Um, Jesus said to her, Dear woman, what is that to you and to me? My time to act and to be revealed has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Whatever he says to you, do it. Yeah, I'm just curious as to that relationship. Why, when he says, my time has not yet come, that she immediately like, felt like that was permission to go, yeah, do what he says. <laughs> That's interesting. Curiosity. How about you? Uh, anxiety. Thinking of being in the servant's place. Seeing water. It's filled to the brim. Not, not actually being promised that anything's going to change. And then having to take that to the wait head waiter. Knowing that if something doesn't change, you're about to be in a lot of trouble. So you were feeling anxiety for them? Yeah. So basically imagining yourself in their mm. place? Yep. Gotcha. Okay, last one. We uh, get to pick another version. Any particular preferences? 
Maybe the Passion Translation? I'm totally shocked that you picked that. It's so surprising. Okay, so again, we're going to ask God the question, what is the invitation or gift you have for us so that we can see it and obey? So God, yeah, what is the gift or the invitation you you have for us to obey as we read this passage the third and final time? Will you make that clear to us? so real to us that it's you inviting us into something or giving us something. We don't want to make this stuff up. We want to hear clearly from you through your Holy Spirit. We just, yeah, pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. John chapter 2, verses 1 through 12 in the Passion Translation. Now on the third day, Jesus' mother went to a wedding feast in the Galilean village of Cana. Jesus and his disciples were all invited to the banquet, but with so many guests they ran out of wine. And when Mary realized it, she came to Jesus and asked, They have no wine. Can't you do something about it? Jesus replied, My dear one, don't you understand that if I do this, it will change nothing for you, but it will change everything for me. My hour of unveiling my power has not yet come. Mary then went to the servers and told them, Whatever Jesus tells you, do it. Nearby stood six stone water pots, meant to be used for the Jewish washing rituals. Each one could hold about 20 gallons or more. Jesus came to the servers and instructed them, Fill the pots with water right up to the very brim. Then he said, Now fill your pitchers and take them to the master of ceremonies. And when they poured out their pitchers for the master of ceremonies to sample, the water had become wine. When he tasted the water that had become wine, the master of ceremonies was impressed with its quality. Although he didn't know where the wine had come from, only the servers knew. He called the bridegroom over and said to him, Every host serves his best wine first until everyone has had a cup or two, then he serves the cheaper wine. But you, my friend, you've reserved the most exquisite wine until now. This miracle in Cana was the first of the many extraordinary miracles Jesus performed in Galilee that revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Okay, we're going to take time to just sit with that and let God reveal whatever his gifts or invitation is to us. So you can pause this again right now. All right, Kim. The last question and answer. I will go first again. This doesn't normally happen to me. Often when I do this, I don't really get the same verses with every reading. I usually, I'll ask the first question, you know, what is it you want to highlight to me, God? And I'll get a verse or a few words from a verse. And then the next time I, I read through it and ask the question, what is it? Or what is my emotional response to what I'm reading? It's usually a different verse. And again, at the end, when I ask the last question, what's your gift or invitation for me to obey? Again, it's usually a different verse. But this time, it was the same passage all three times. It was John 3 through 5, I believe. It says, uh, she came to Jesus and asked, they have no wine. Can't you do something about it? Jesus replied, My dear one, don't you understand that if I do this, it will change nothing for you, but it will change everything for me. 
My hour of unveiling my power has not yet come. Mary then went to the servers and told them, whatever Jesus tells you, do it. So when we ask God to give us his gift or invitation, you don't necessarily have to do it like I do it, which is I literally sit and allow him to write a little note back to me. You might just give an impression of something and just write it down. This is the gift that I think God is giving me. So this one isn't necessarily, you don't have to do it like I do it, but I literally write it out like God's writing a letter to me because I believe that's what he's doing, that the Holy Spirit in me is writing to me. So I write it first person, like God is speaking to me because I believe he is. So this is what I wrote, what I believe I heard him saying. I value persistence. The more you get to know me, the more you will come to understand this about me. Those who persist in seeking me will find me. That's especially true when you persevere in seeking me for the needs of other people. So just like Mary, be bold in approaching my throne of grace with the things you care about, especially the people you care about, and you will see me move in my power. I'm sure there's more to unpack there, but that's, that's my initial sense of things. How about you? Yeah. My brain went to the, where it says, fill the pots with water right up to the very brim. And I felt like God was saying, he's like, remember what water represents, beloved. My spirit poured out into you, my life, my growth for you, my plans. Let me fill you to the very brim with myself so that I not just fill you, but that so you overflow with my spirit, all of me and to those around you. I see your anxiety in the season with so much change and chaos, but be obedient to what you hear me saying in this moment. And I will take your anxiety, fears, and worries and give you myself, my peace, my wholeness. I am all that you need, and I will do what I say I will do. Giving me your anxiety is the obedience that leads to the saved the best till now. The water still looks like water right now, but in my time it will become the most exquisite wine. So surrender your fears to me in obedience. After all, haven't I said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. So come to me and let me take your burdens, and I will give you rest, and I'll fill you up with my water, so that you overflow and become the most beautiful wine. You sensed anxiety in the servants, and it sounds like what God is highlighting is it's really about anxiety in you. So mm-hmm. how did their situation with the water and the uncertainty of what was going to happen with the water, how does that relate to you? You and whatever anxiety you're feeling. I mean, you know, because I'm around you a lot, but a good bit has changed in the last month. You know, I'm now the associate pastor for us, officially. I will admit there's been some anxiety in that, just because my brain's like, ooh, now it's official. But then also, there have just been a lot of things that are changing in terms of in my family with expectations that I came to realize I was like I can't meet those expectations and the wrestling with that on top of things that are affecting you potentially affecting you mm-hmm. <laughs> and because we do ministry together then they wind up affecting me it's just brought up a lot of anxiety and fear and worry you know a lot of it based on my past history with being in other churches where things have fallen apart or changed a lot. And so 
it's it's been a constant wrestling match to keep giving it back to God to the point of being exhausted with it because it was like oh okay one change well that's stressful oh hey let's add another change and another change I was already drowning in the water and that felt like someone threw a giant rock at me and told me to hold that too but the one thing God keeps saying and and like I see it in the servants is like they had to take that step I mean first they had to fill those ginormous jugs and let's be fair they're made of stone yeah i can't imagine those were particularly lightweight to begin with and they're filled to the brim which means that they can see that it's still water and at no point do you see in the text that jesus promises them that's going to change and even when they dip their pitchers in it never says oh by the way hey now it's wine Literally, they had to keep taking all these small steps of obedience, even going up to the, you could say, the public eye with the master of ceremonies or head waiter, depending on which translation. And it's not till they pour out that they realize it's wine now. I just kept hearing going like, small steps. Let me fill you. Even today, I have stuff I'm supposed to be doing for you. And God's like, no, I want you to take the first part of this and come be with me first. He's like, I had you clean out the the third room so you could actually play your keyboard. So what are you going to do? Well, explain what that does for you. Yeah, for me, music is definitely one of the ways that I connect with God. Well, it's always been a way for if I'm feeling numb or disconnected, that's how I kind of reattach to my emotions, to reattach to Him. So I have a keyboard that was a, a very nice gift and until yesterday, I hadn't played it in more than six months, nine months. It just been kind of buried under a bunch of junk. Yesterday, God was like, hey, you need to set it up, get it ready, make it easy, and then come be with me in that. So <laughs> despite me going, but God, I have other things I'm supposed to be doing right now. He's like, really? Hmm. I thought what I wanted mattered more. Okay. <laughs> and I have an old Cares Chorus book, which has all the old little choruses from like the 80s and 70s. Think like the old school worship music, like As the Deer and all that old stuff, or In His Time, which was the one that he and I settled on and couldn't seem to get out of because it says he will do just what he says in his time. It was the line that kept hitting me in the face over and over again, like, I'm going to do what I say I'm going to do. I know you're afraid I'm not, but I'm going to do it in my time. Will you read again what you heard as a response to all of that? Now that there's a fuller context, I would just love for that to settle in, not only to me, but anyone listening. Uh, Fill the pots with water right up to the very brim. And remember what the water represents. Beloved, my spirit poured out into you. My life, my growth for you, my plans. Let me fill you to the very brim with myself so that I not just fill you, but so that you will overflow with my spirit, all of me, into those around you. I see you, your anxiety in the season, with so much change and chaos, but be obedient to what you hear me saying in this moment, and I will take your anxieties, your fears, and your worries, and give you myself, my peace, my wholeness, my love, my joy. I am all that you need, and I will do what I say I will do. Giving me your anxiety is the obedience that leads to the save the best till now. 
The water still looks like water right now, but in my time it will become the most exquisite wine. So surrender your fears to me in obedience. After all, haven't I said, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. So come to me and let me take your burdens, and I will give you rest, and I will fill you up with my water so that you overflow and become the most beautiful wine. I know that you just received that. Mm. (laughs) And the changes you've been facing have been going on for a while, but do you sense yourself responding to this in any particular way? Like, how does this hit you as you're reading it after you shared? I mean, I'm getting watery-eyed, so... What's that emotional response? What are you sensing in you? It's definitely hope, Mm. although maybe a little tentative feeling. It's new. That little plant of hope just sprouted in the out of the, the text into your heart, right? So, of course, it's new. So, how do you think God is inviting you to protect that hope as it's that little sprout? Well, I suspect I'll be spending a lot more time at the keyboard, mm. for one thing. That is generally how I keep pretty tenderhearted. Like, I mean, I love the guitar because... It's easier for me to sing using my voice with it. But as far as my emotions go, I don't know, the the keys and the music have always just flowed more naturally with that. Like that was always one of my more creative outlets where God and I would just play around and see what happened. Mm. Plus, I, I admit, much as I love all the new worship music, there are times where some of the old stuff that I have memories attached to it hits in a deeper place. That's cool. So what strikes me in the things that I sensed in this passage was the depth of relationship between Jesus and his mom, that he protests that this isn't the right timing, and she just keeps going because she knows him well and knows that persistence is something he values. She knows that about him, and even when he tells her this is not the right time, that she knows he will honor her desire to help these people and persist in making sure they're taken care of. Because in this situation, at a wedding feast, this is a shame-honor culture, and weddings are very important in first-century Jewish society. And to run out of wine at a wedding was a matter of shame. Unlike us, when we think of shame, it's a very personal thing, but it's a cultural thing. It creates societal changes in how people view you. It's a big deal in your social standings, you know, how people perceive you. So Mary was really looking to take care of these people and her perseverance in pursuing Jesus, that was really cool. That was cool to see that she just knows him. She knows him well and knows that he's going to listen if she keeps going because she has deep compassion for these people and what they're going through. For me personally, there's a lot of changes going on right now. There are potentially things that could shift a lot. And it's all new and it doesn't make a lot of sense. And I have no idea where this is going. And I just sense, just like Mary, she knows that Jesus will do what's best and will meet people in their needs. 
So I feel like that's the invitation that God is giving me is persistence in prayer, trusting his best, that he has what's best for all of us. Because this is going to affect, like that wedding scenario, what was happening was going to affect a lot of people. When the wine runs out, that's going to affect everyone, and especially, like you said, the shame honor of this family. Their honor is at stake. And I just feel God saying, yeah, in the same way, just keep going every step of the way, trusting me that I know what's best, and you will see it come about one step at a time, like you said. That's very much how God operates. He knows that's all we can handle <laughs> is one step at a time to listen to his voice, see what, pursue him to hear what he's saying like we're doing here, and then obey that one step at a time because he knows we're finite creatures with limited capacity that we would like to know more <laughs> than what's happening right now in the foreseeable future. He knows we can't really handle that much. Knowing too much will freak us out, crush us, you know, cause us to cut and run. So he gives us what we can handle, and he knows what's best. And that's just the sense I get, which is very relaxing. Very, like, you know, like, take a deep breath, Kurt, and breathe in, breathe out, and relax. Trust me, I know what's best, and I'll do that. And that's what I'm getting from this passage, basically. I hear you. I can do the too much thinking thing, although I, my brain even then still tends to shy away from too many questions, <laughs> unless I'm trying to go to sleep. Well, I think this is a good place to stop and just pray for us, for everyone listening. And if you're cool with it, I'm up for doing this one. Fine by me. Well, God, thank you. Thank you for the promises that if we seek you, we will find you as was demonstrated in this time of seeking you through your scriptures, to hear your voice, through the practice of Lectio Divina, through scriptural listening prayer, Kim and I definitely feel we have heard you and that you are speaking right into our circumstances to encourage us to lay down the things we're carrying, to lay them down, surrender them to you, confess our fears and our burdens to you and let you carry them for us. That's the sense that we, once again, get through this, this passage. And it's very encouraging. It's challenging to trust you, but it's also encouraging. So we thank you for what you've revealed and your invitation to us to, to go further and deeper and surrender and freedom. Surrendering our, our junk to you, our stuff, the things we're struggling with, and finding the freedom to let you carry these things for us. God, in the power and authority you've given us, we also pray that everyone listening, and especially those who have been willing to practice this with us, God, that they would do the same. They would experience you speaking to them in this place. We bless them with an openness to hear you and to obey and experience your freedom. We bless them with a heart of surrender, everything that has been revealed to them, and we bless them with the freedom that comes with letting you carry this stuff. Yeah, we thank you for this time. Thank you for your availability to us. Thank you for always being there and always being persistent yourself in seeking after us, even when we're not seeking after you. We praise you for your grace. We thank you for your gracious 
unmerited favor that we don't deserve, but you give anyway, not because of who we are, but because of who you are as perfect, sacrificial, holy, unconditional love. As 1 John 4, 8 says, and 4, 16 as well, they say that you are love and that we can know and rely on the love that you have for us. So we thank you for this and we bless everyone listening with greater experiences of your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You heard what Kim and I experienced, what we heard as we read through this passage. We would love to hear, if you did practice this with us, what you experienced. You can find us on YouTube and you can make, leave comments there. Just Life Hurts God Heals. That's the name of our channel. You can search it on YouTube. You can find us on Facebook. Again, our Facebook page is Life Hurts God Heals. And you can email me, Kurtz, at elevateslow.com or .church. Kurt at ElevateSLO.com. So we'd love to hear from you. And that includes if you have a prayer need or you just want to, to talk to somebody and you have some questions, please feel free to reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. We just want you to remember that God says you are his beloved. So be loved.